back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for footballoutsiders.com. Week five is mostly completed, uh, but COVID is, is causing some havoc. But there's still a, a short window to make your best waiver wire recommendations. And we're going to have Brandon Funston of The Athletic come on to help us make those best choices for this week six. But before we get to the Brandon interview... I wanted to share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics and the proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. Those metrics are used by teams and they make great tools for fantasy players as well. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today using promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 in all caps and to save you 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Okay, let's get to that interview with Brandon. Okay, joining me on the phone today is Brandon Funston, fantasy legend for The Athletic. Brandon, thanks so much for uh, doing a little earlier show for me on your West Coast time. How are you? How did you enjoy the Week 5 games? Well, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan out here, so, it, you know, Sunday ended on a a great note. Uh, it prematurely aged me a little bit, uh, a bit more, <laughs> which this team seems to have done. But, uh, yeah, overall, a uh, pretty good week in general, and... You know, other than the the DAC injury from a personal standpoint, it's tough to see. And uh, the carnage, you know, wasn't as bad as we've seen in some weeks. Just a tough blow for DAC there, for sure. Definitely true. Um, Although I will say, I think Russell Wilson is definitely still on track for his MVP consideration this year. Uh, Very likely to get some votes this time around. Uh, But Wilson obviously owned in every league. So this week we're going to do, or this episode, we're going to talk about our week six waiver wire possibilities uh, playing our normal game where we go back and forth. Brandon will give his three favorites. I'll give my three favorites. Again, not necessarily the best ones. You can see a comprehensive list, including waiver recommendations, uh, bid recommendations for me on footballoutsiders.com. But these are just players that we find particularly interesting and have some interesting notes to talk about with. And Brandon, as the guest, I think you should go first. So why don't you hit us with your favorite waiver wire player to talk about for week six? Well, it feels like low-hanging fruit, the four-touchdown Mr. Mister Obvious Chase Claypool. Uh, I will caution that this is not going to, you know, what happened with Chase Claypool is a product of Deontay Johnson and the back mm-hmm. injury he had. Um, it allowed Claypool to – I'm looking at your notes, but I looked this up myself. Uh, he played 69% of the snaps. Um, he was right there in line with Juju Smith-Schuster and, and James Washington in that range, and, and Deontay Johnson played just six snaps. So, um, mm-hmm. so there's there's going to be a ceiling. This is not going to be the Chase Claypool show week in and week out going forward. But the guy is such an amazing athlete. We knew that with Spark Score, just his combine numbers were off the charts. But if you watch the game, you can see it's more than just athleticism. He has ability kind of, he's not just a raw, you know, uh, a raw kind of guy. He's He's got some skill to him. And I think it's going to behoove Pittsburgh going forward to continue to try to mine that. It's just, you know, we're going to see a little bit less of a workload once Deontay Johnson is is back in place, but I, I think he, he, you know, from a size and physicality and um, just what he can do on the field, he brings a little bit, something different to the ta- table than all those other guys. And um, Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger is in top 10 in, in average pass attempts per game. So I think as we hit into these bye weeks, I, I would guess that he's going to continue to see his workload bumped even with Deontay Johnson back and maybe it's at the expense of James Washington but I think Pittsburgh has to get him out on the field more and see how high this guy can fly 
Yeah, that's my suspicion too, Brandon. So I, I know that we noticed in this game that he played almost the same snap share as Washington, but the Steelers play three tight end sets. I mean, three wide receiver sets all the time. So that's not that unusual. And really Claypool had been sneaking up playing a similar amount to Washington even before when they were sort of fighting over that third wide receiver role. So I agree with you. I mean, his, his snap share can only increase going forward. And even if he isn't necessarily the top one or two receiving threats on the Steelers, I think his size gives him just a, an enormous touchdown upside that could make him a fantasy valuable player, even if he isn't getting those like eight targets a game the way that some of the other players might. That's an obvious thing probably to say after he just scored, you know, three receiving <laughs> touchdowns this last week. Uh, but I'll point out that in weeks three and five combined, and again, the Steelers had that sort of unexpected bye week in week four, he had 1.07 opportunity adjusted receiving touchdowns. So that's more than double any other Steelers receiver. The other guys are kind of hovering in that to 0.35 to 0.48 range. So even though you don't expect three touchdowns again going forward, he's getting targeted more in the end zone. I think what he's like 6'4", 230 something, right? I mean, he's he's yeah. a massive guy. Uh, and given that Eric Ebron isn't necessarily the greatest hands player of all time, which he showcased with a, a really big fumble in this game that didn't <laughs> end up costing the team, maybe Claypool is that guy that, that he can rely on a little bit more in the red zone and in the end zone, whereas Deontay Johnson's a very small player. He may be more of a, an asset between the 20s, which is valuable for the team, but maybe not as valuable for fantasy players. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And, and you know, I will say his fourth his fourth touchdown. I don't know if you saw it, but um, it's amazing how mm -hmm. disregarded the Philly secondary had him <laughs> for a guy who'd already scored three times. So they won't all be as easy as that one. Um, and but I, I think defenses will take notice of him going forward for sure. Definitely. Okay, for my first pick for a waiver wire edition for week six, I'm going to pick a player that you probably were watching pretty closely as a Seahawks fan, <laughs> Alexander Madison, running back for the Minnesota Vikings. We're recording this on Monday, so we haven't seen the results of Dalvin Cook's MRI, but it looked like he suffered a groin injury. Uh, a recent example of that in my mind, I think David Montgomery suffered one in the preseason this week and struggled to get back to start the season. I think you would expect maybe a two to four week type of timetable, although again, we don't have any any actual medical information on, on that respect. But assuming that Madison even starts one game, I think he's a valuable fantasy addition. He's just a guy that is is more or less a plug-and-play type of player for a team that relies heavily on the run with a heavy run ratio. And Madison being a, a pretty effective player, you think he can probably handle it. So in this game, even though Cook had already played all the first half and had a ton of touches, Madison still got up to 20 carries and 112 yards, three catches for 24 yards on three targets. The Vikings traditionally haven't really been using their running backs as receivers, but they run so many rushing attempts that it probably doesn't matter from an overall workload perspective. Madison, I mean, I think entering the year was probably one of our top three or four type of handcuff running backs. And I'll mention that I don't think this is quite a Kareem Hunt situation, one, because of the lack of receptions potentially, but two, because... Even though Madison has a very good 4.7 yards per attempt average since the start of last season, basically identical to Davin Cook's 4.8, his advanced numbers suggest that he's not the same type of impact talent. Just 1.7 yards after contact per attempt versus 2.4 for Davin Cook. Just a 37.9% success rate versus 49.4% for Davin Cook. So what I think that's suggesting is that Cook is more of a versatile running back that can take both the like early down carries where you know, teams are probably 
balanced in, in their attempt to defend both the run and the pass and can get those yards you need on like a third and one type of a situation. Madison may not quite be that type of player, but he's definitely quick. And I think the workload is going to be there such that you don't really need to quibble. I think it's just going to be a very attractive fantasy opportunity for him. Any week he's starting, he'll probably be a top 10, maybe top 15 at worst type of running back in fantasy. Do you see the same thing, Brandon? Yeah, I think he's definitely in that RB one discussion. You know, he's always been a guy that when he's out there, I'm I'm terrible. Like I'm, I'm pretty good with sports facts and stuff. I'm terrible with numbers, mm-hmm. and that's 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 my Achilles heel. And there's times, you know, in the past where Madison's been in there instead of Cook, and I don't realize it. Like they they look similar. Like they're both kind of violent runners, and they are decisive, and they hit the hole. And and Minnesota's built for that kind of style. And uh, so I think Madison, if he's not a, you know, he's, he's somewhere between a middle class to poor man's version of a Dalvin Cook. Um, but this is a, it's a good system for that. Uh, he's decisive. He's north south. He he runs with power. He doesn't break as many tackles as he said as Dalvin Cook. But I think because of the volume and just uh, just the environment here, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. He's a top ten to fifteen running back while he's in there. And it, it's, it makes a lot of sense that cook's going to miss this week and then have his bye week And that the big question is, will he miss anything beyond the bye week I think that the hope is mm-hmm. that they, they will sit out, they'll sit him out through the bye and he'll be good to go coming back. But if you need help right now getting wins, Alexander Madison's definitely going to be healthy against Atlanta. And this may just be a good reminder that, when you have a player like cook with such a clear backup, uh, maybe he's worth handcuffing all the time. Um, even regardless of whether you consider cook to be somebody who gets injured frequently. I know he has so far in his career. Uh, okay, Brandon, why don't you hit us with your second choice of a waiver ad for week six? Uh, I'm going to stick in uh, the Philadelphia Pittsburgh game. Go with Travis Fulgham, another guy who had some very loud numbers over 150 yards, the 10 catches. Um, I watched, you know, I watched this game as much as it was on the red zone and mm-hmm. red zone channel. But what I kind of noticed is, is Fulgham just, man, he just looked like, uh, like if you hadn't known anything about Philadelphia and got in there, you would have said, Oh, that's their go-to guy receiver. And there's just something about like, he was going out and making tough plays. He had that look to him. Like he was very comfortable in doing it. And that like, okay, I just made a play. Let's come back to me and do that again. Like he just kept on making the plays for Carson Wentz and really no one's done that for for basically a year and a half now uh in Philadelphia and you can say well when Alshon Jeffrey and Jalen Rieger and Deshaun Jackson are back this could be a problem but when are those guys ever all healthy at the same time (laughs) Uh, when are they healthy for more than a week or two at a time I think at this point you just gotta say you know what there's someone who's finally stepped up and uh I would be surprised if Philadelphia doesn't continue to mind this because Fulgham looked really, really good against a very, very good defense. And uh, there's no reason why they won't continue to try to see if they can tap that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'm I'm ready to put Fulgham in my fantasy lineups immediately, but there's no reason not to add him in fantasy and see what happens for the next week or two. Maybe even more important than the 152 yards, the fact that he had 13 targets is just a huge number. Plus, he played 78% of the offensive snaps. I think that was second among wide receivers on the team behind John Hightower, the rookie of all people. But there just there aren't enough healthy bodies for the Eagles. And if he can be the guy, then yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very valuable fantasy role. I've been trying to advocate 
an Alshon Jeffrey pickup in fantasy for the last couple of weeks. And it's just, he still isn't playing. We're unsure when he's going to get back. And it was really a long shot to begin with. I mean, we've seen that the Jeffrey's numbers have declined pretty precipitously over the last few seasons. He had less than a 50% catch rate in 2017, just 58% in 2019. It's if you look at like his yards per target numbers, all that stuff has been on the decline as his, I just think he's kind of accumulated injuries over the years. So he's not that explosive jump ball, 50, 50 catch winner the way he used to be. So this is just a, a place where a talented receiver has a real opportunity to, to grab hold of a real, a number one receiving job. And I, I got to think it's worth taking a gamble on a player that had such a productive day against the Steelers who again are a top five DV away pass defense as well. So really exciting. We'll have to see if this can maybe be the spark that turns the Eagles around and definitely a guy to grab in fantasy. Uh, for my second guy, I have a wide receiver as well, another player that could be a big impact player um, for you in fantasy if things break his way. That's McCole Hardman, receiver for the Chiefs. He didn't really do much actually in week five, just two catches for 50 yards on three targets. So again, this is more of an injury-related play where Sammy Watkins suffered a hamstring injury. That's something that has plagued Watkins throughout his career. And it's, I mean, unclear at this point whether it's going to be a no, no absence, a one-week absence, or whether he'll miss some extended time here. But I do think at this point that Hardman is the player that I'm targeting as as the backup with the chance to really do more in fantasy. He barely outtouched or outsnapped Demarcus Robinson, 69% to 68%. But last season, when Watkins missed three games, Hardman was the major beneficiary. He increased from a 6% uh, target share in the weeks that Watkins wasn't playing to a 12.9% share in weeks five, six, and seven when Watkins was out. So basically a close to a 7% boost in his, his target share. And he's already starting at 9% this season from a better place and a better place than Robinson at 7.9%. So I'm bullish that Hardman will be the major beneficiary if Watkins misses times. Plus, you know, Hardman is, well, he scored eight touchdowns on 58 career targets. It's with playing, (laughs) playing with Patrick Mahomes. Like it's, it's an unbelievably enticing fantasy situation if he's the number two receiver. So I think, Hardman is another player where I think it's worth the gamble to add him in fantasy, even if there's a lot of uncertainty here. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, we always wait for this, right? We're waiting for Hardman to get his number two opportunity. We've seen it in, in spurts, and anytime it happens, you have to take notice. And and just the thought of Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman out there together is so so fun to think about and unless you're the opposing defense but uh <laughs> yeah yeah I mean the way I mean it's just yeah I mean this is it's why Pat Mahomes ability to extend plays and and with his big arm uh and you have that kind of speed that's why it's just been so consistent for Tyreek Hill who gets all kinds of snaps is out there all the time that just works uh every game almost, you know, and that, and that we've seen that work, uh, in, in limited fashion for Miko Hardman, but when, with Watts or with Watkins, you know, dealing with the hamstring, there's no reason why it won't just, uh, be another good situation for Miko Hardman to step up and produce. Definitely. Okay. Who was your third choice as a waiver ad for, for week six? Uh, I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds. Um, we saw, you know, I think, I think we saw the, uh, first of all, Edmonds played a, season high amount of snaps um he had 33 snaps he's closing i believe slowly closing the gap on Kenyon drake but i think the key here is that edmonds had the six targets 
the five catches. That's that's two weeks in a row. He's had six targets in the passing game, 56 receiving yards. He actually ran 14 routes compared to Kenyon Drake's 13 routes. And I don't think that Edmonds is just going to overtake Kenyon Drake for this featured role. But I think what we're going to see is that maybe this is closer to a straight up platoon and Edmonds is going to be the beneficiary of the better touches, which are the, the targets, um, you know, all things equal. You want, you want targets over, uh, you know, over carries from a running back, just a higher, higher efficiency for fantasy purposes. And I think we're going to see that Chase Evans is not going to go away and he's going to be a further, further thorn in Kenyon Drake's side. And here we are five weeks into the season and Chase Edmonds has outproduced him in half PPR leagues. And um, I would not be shocked going forward if Edmonds continues to do that. Cause I think his role is only going to increase and he's going to continue to have the decisive advantage in the passing game. Yeah. You know, I, I entered the season, I thought Edmonds was strictly a handcuff and thought that Drake was a versatile player who would get a lot of receiving work as well as running work. And that hasn't been the case so far this season. And it's kind of shocking to me, but Edmonds is 11th among running backs so far this season with a 13.6% target share. So he's right up there with Ezekiel Elliott is at 14.3%. Rex Burkhead, 13.6%. Edmonds is ahead of Naeem Hines at 13.5%. I mean, so we're talking about a real PPR asset here, plus the fact that you're mentioning that his, his overall snap shares on the on the rise. He, Kenyon Drake isn't getting used a lot in the red zone anyway with uh, Kyler Murray kind of running him in closer to the goal line. So Edmonds may really be the better fantasy asset on the Cardinals, which is a little bit shocking, but... I think that makes him a very good and sneaky ad for you in fantasy, in particular if you need some help at running back with the buys and, and the many injuries that guys have suffered so far this year. So I think that's a great pick there, Brandon. <laughs> uh, I'm going to close up my list here with a quarterback. Our quarterback for the week is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had a surprisingly amazing day against the 49ers. And I know that the 49ers suffered a lot of injuries so that it's maybe not the, the fearsome defense that they were last season that Fitzpatrick was facing here. But I'll point out that there's a clear top seven fantasy quarterbacks um, so far this season in terms of average fantasy points per game. Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, who I guess is no longer there, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, and Cam Newton. They're all between 24.5 and 30.0 fantasy points per game this season, and that's three points ahead of the field. But then Fitzpatrick is actually the guy that's there in, in, in eighth place, and so he gets promoted, I guess, to seventh with Prescott out for the year. He's averaging 21.6 fantasy points per game, a very good total. And I think there are two major things that give me some, some optimism that this can continue. One is the fact that Fitz just runs a lot more than you would expect for a player of his age and, and frankly, a player with his beard and his look. Um, <laughs> but he's got 129 rushing yards on the season through five games. That puts him on pace for 413. That's the same total that Deshaun Watson ran for last year. And Watson finished fourth among quarterbacks in rushing yards. So if you're adding that to already a, a, a prolific passer, yes, one that makes mistakes and maybe has some deficiencies in terms of pass blocking and receivers, et cetera, to, to facilitate making mistakes. But again, throwing interceptions isn't the, the, the end-all be-all um, for a quarterback's fantasy prospects. Um, so I think that it's probably a pretty good fantasy situation for him there. So the real question is really when Tua Tagalavea is going to enter the and become the starter long-term. But if the Dolphins are going to be this frisky, that can maybe get delayed. And I, I think that we may be getting um, hip-related concerns with the Dolphins being a reason that they're not throwing him into the fire the way that, say, Justin Herbert's been thrown out there. And obviously Herbert's been great. But 
the Dolphins may not need to rush to uh, if they have any concerns about his being 100% health-wise. Um, Fitzpatrick is a, is a good player. The Dolphins may be a good team. Their Dolphins looked a lot better um, with both healthy corners this week. So I, I don't know. I think Fitz, at least for a handful of more weeks, could probably be a fantasy asset for you, and hopefully he'll get better matchups than one that you expected the 49ers to be, and he took advantage of that anyway. Yeah, and it's just, from a fantasy experience, it's just funner when you're rooting for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah, love him. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun own, uh, and you're right. I think the Tua thing is, if things go south, and, uh, you know, you look at Miami, they're going to be playing the Jets. They have a chance to go to 3-3, three and three, Yeah, and, and suddenly their season is very much in play. And so, and who, I think, who knows about the Patriots? If, if they lose Newton yeah. for several weeks, all of a sudden, the, the Dolphins are in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think you see two unless until things are kind of like it's, you know, in lost cause stage. Uh, I, I think ideally they're like, I, we would love to be competitive without him, almost give him that red shirt year. You know, I always thought that like the Pat Mahomes rookie year was like the perfect blueprint for Tua to get get your feet wet in the last couple games of the year and be set as as a man for the following season. And and we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is better than just a stopgap. So I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think the Tua stuff is going to come yeah. into play for a little while at this point. Okay, that's going to do it for this Tuesday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Brandon, thanks so much for joining me. Why don't you tell all of our listeners where they can find your work and what's going on at The Athletic right now? Yeah, you go to theathletic.com, and right now they're running a special. It's just $1 a month a subscription special, which is a fantastic deal for, uh, you know, we have a we have a great group of, of guys on the fantasy side, but you also get all the great coverage for all the NFL teams and really all the sports if you're into other things besides football. But for football right now, fantastic beat writer coverage and coverage from each team, but also – uh, a great group of guys, not only myself there, but Nando Defino, Jake Seeley, mm-hmm. uh, people that have been around the industry for a long time and know what they're talking about. So uh, yeah, come check it out. Definitely. I can't encourage everyone enough to check out The Athletic and all of Brandon's work. Meanwhile, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms, and then come back on Friday to hear all of my DFS play thoughts for week six. Thanks, and I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.